Lord, our Heavenly Father, we come to you again in this morning hour, and we want to bring Steve to you and to your throne, Lord. We ask that you give him the words to speak, clarity of mind and heart and speech, and may you bring your word to your people. Bless him in this day. All this we ask in your son's name. Amen. It is a privilege to be here to proclaim God's word and proclaim Christ crucified to you today. So we're going to read Philippians chapter 3, verses 2 through 11. I believe that will also be up on the screen. So here God's word, Philippians 3, at verse 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. In our passage, the Apostle Paul recounts the fruit of his conversion experience and how he is far different than what he used to be. He is now a Christian. And everything that he once lived for, he counts as absolute rubbish. Well, how could he say such things? Well, the reason is because he is born again. He is regenerated. The old has gone, the new has come. This was an act of God to produce this change within him. Paul could not have done this within himself or by any effort of his own. It was entirely a work of God by grace through the Holy Spirit. Paul used to be called Saul. He used to be a persecutor of the Christians. And then one day as we read in Acts, Jesus appeared to him. Scales fell off his eyes. Christ had changed him. The Spirit convicted him and he had a new life. And instead of fighting against Christians, he was a missionary planting churches throughout the world. Whereas once Paul was ashamed of the name of Christ, now he gladly is tortured for the sake of Christ. In this new life, he now glories in Christ, as verse 3 says. And now Paul puts no confidence in the flesh. And all of the gain of his former life is now considered a loss. 
What matters now most for Paul was knowing Jesus, knowing the power of the resurrection and becoming like him in his death and to experience the resurrection of the dead someday in the future. So what a dramatic change. If you knew Paul before he became a Christian, you would wonder indeed if he was the same person. He looked the same. And in many cases, he probably acted the same, the same quirks. And yet he was dramatically different. Christ had taken hold of him. Jesus was now his true love. Well, a question many of us might have is this. What is a Christian? That's a very important question. Many of us might be pondering becoming a Christian. We don't know much about it. We've heard about it a little bit, and we're intrigued. We're on the fence. We're on the edge. We want to know more. But yet some things are holding us back from becoming a Christian. So it's important to ask that question, what does it mean to be a Christian? And lifelong Christians may not actually be Christians because they have it all wrong. They're like the elder brother in Luke 15 who hated it when the younger brother who squandered the family's wealth received grace. And the elder brother is like, where is my due? Well, the, other, the elder brother did not have a heart touched by grace, not changed by God. And of course, society likes to assume many false things about what a Christian is, and we could go on and on about that. So what is a Christian? Based on our passage, we can say a Christian is one who is born again and then counts the things of his former life as rubbish compared to all-surpassing gain in Jesus Christ. So in this sermon, we're going to unpack this theme, and we're going to see that there are four things that a Christian considers loss compared to all-surpassing gain in Jesus Christ. We'll go through those four things and close with application. So first, Paul counts trusting in his race as now loss. Look at what he says in verse 5. He was circumcised on the eighth day. And this means he was officially part of God's covenant that he made with the nation of Israel. He was officially part of God's chosen people, the Israelites. And he's saying that he was an insider and that he once belonged in that group. And not only was he circumcised, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul then was full of pride. He could trace back his lineage and lean on the fact that he really was a Jew. And if he was a Jew, well, then he must be favored by God. And you see, Jews put people into two categories. You were Jew or Gentile. And if you were a Gentile, you were a dog, one from another nation. And so here, Paul is tracing his lineage. I'm not a dog. I'm part of Israel. I'm privileged. So I must, I must be received by God. And now he considers that loss. Paul's trust in his race is what we do today as well, just in different forms. People can think that they are a real Christian just because their parents were Christians. Or they think they are Christian because they are American and have Judeo-Christian values. And their creed goes something like this. I'm sure you've heard it before. God and country. But all the while, they know nothing of the new birth that Paul experienced. And so they're Christian in name only, and their hearts are not changed, not captivated by Jesus Christ. There's a problem with thinking that we are saved just because we're part of a group. 
the problem is that God does not save entire groups because one or two have faith. No, God saves individuals. Every person must be converted. Every individual must know and love Jesus Christ. Jesus, just because our, our fathers or brothers believe, doesn't mean we are automatically saved. We don't get to heaven on the backs of our parents. No, every person needs his or her own faith. Now, of course, God can save people in large groups. For in the example, in the book of Acts, God saved 3,000 people in one day. But it also, each individual in that large group was born again, believing in Jesus Christ. So you can think of a, of a turnstile that, that maybe you, you go through to attend ball games. You've got those like metal poles, and as you go through it, it, it turns, and the next number clicks, and the next person then goes through. So it's not like one person goes through the turnstile, then the rest of the group automatically go in. No, every single person must go through the turnstile. And so if there is 3,000 people saved, 3,000 people are going through that turnstile, that they're believing in Jesus, they're being changed by the Holy Spirit. So if you think that you've gotten ahead in God's sight because of the group you are a part of, or your parents, or your race, or your ethnicity, then you've got it all wrong. And we have to consider that a law. Stop trusting in that and consider our gain only in Christ. Second, Paul goes on to say that his own abilities were once gained, but now lost. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, he says in our passage. This means he considers himself once being the best of the best. Many Hebrews or Jews aspired to live a holy and devout life. And he's saying he stood above all of them. He was like the Michael Jordan of Hebrews. He was the star. None could compare to him. He was hitting his moral three-pointers all the time. And following the law was like a slam dunk. Well, the Pharisees prided themselves in being able to follow the law. And so he's saying that's basically like how I was no, they wanted to be pure and separate from the world, but that's how Paul was. Their intentions were good, but he was living by his own actions, not trusting in a Savior. And so by bringing these things up, Paul is saying that, that he once thought himself as righteous in himself. By his own actions, he thought he could make himself holy and thus worthy before the Lord. And I think Paul is also trusting, or he used to trust in his intellectual abilities, so in Acts 22, verse 3, he studied under the law of Gamaliel. And he seems to reference some of that stuff in our passage as well. You know, Paul, he, Paul drank up Gamaliel's teachings. Gamaliel was a, a revered rabbi, one of the best. So it's like Paul went to the Harvard School of Pharisee Law. So, so his mind was sharp. His ability to discern the law and apply it was like none other. Well, we see people clinging to their own abilities today. Maybe it is their moral life. I've done a funeral for an unbeliever. And the husband of the deceased wife kept saying, I know she is in heaven because she always did good. But there was no love for Jesus in that couple. No desire to love Jesus in that couple at all. Well, people can trust in their theological acumen. And they can be very law-like about it. You know, they know their theology, 
They may even get excited about things like the incarnation or love to get deep into things like predestination, but there's no love for Jesus all the same. They've not been born again. They've not had a new life. They've not considered all of those abilities of their own a loss compared to gain in Christ. And verse 9 shows us why our own abilities cannot save us. We need a righteousness of God that comes by faith. You see, we need Jesus to make us clean. We need the perfect holiness of Christ's life to take the place of our sinful life. Because all of our abilities are tainted by sin, and even the best of our thinking is flawed to some degree. If salvation depended on our abilities, we would all be lost. There would be no hope. And so we must count our abilities a loss compared to gain in Christ. He saves us, not us. And we just have to receive him by faith. Third, Paul says that once was gained but now is lost was his zeal. So he says in verse 6, As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. He thought because his heart was zealous, his heart was sincere and full of passion, he used to be in the right. And he operated that way until conversion. But Paul thought just because he was zealous, he would make it into heaven. Well, we, we see this as well. I mean, how many times do, do you hear this said or something like it? Well, his heart was in the right place. He, he meant well. It doesn't matter if he was a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim or whatever. What matters was his intentions. What, what matters was that he was sincere or something like that. Well, well, the problem with this is that being sincere about the wrong things will destroy you. Well, Paul used to be sincere, zealous, but zealous for the wrong things. Our poor friends who have never come to Christ, they think they are so sincere, but they're sincere about the wrong things, and so their souls stand damned to hell unless something changes. Oh, we need to be sincere, but we need to be sincere about the right things. So, so Paul speaks in verse 9 of having received salvation through faith. Oh, we need a real faith, a sincere faith in Jesus. But even then we must be careful because the level of sincerity of our faith doesn't make us saved. Yes, we are saved through faith, but the level of sincerity doesn't make us saved. And this is good news because the level of our faith is actually fluctuating daily. It's more sincere other days, less sincere other days. But it's not like we go in and out of salvation every second of the day. No, once we are born again by the Spirit of God, we are saved by Jesus once and for all. And nothing can change that fact that we are saved by God. Not even a day where we struggle with our faith. So don't trust in the level of sincerity to be saved. Trust, rather, in Christ crucified, the finished work of the cross. That is your gain, not the level of sincerity. Now, certainly, our sincerity for Jesus can help give assurance when we doubt, but we still go back to that reality. It's about the objective work of Christ on the cross, and he declares it is finished. And so a Christian then considers all of that level of sincerity a loss. It's not the way to salvation. Christ's work on the cross, that is it. And that's what we trust in. 
Because if it's our level of sincerity, then it's back on us again. Fourth, what we also, uh, what, what Paul used to count as gain but now loss is religion. And by religion here, I mean a system of rules and rituals that one sets up in order to be right with God. Religion is trying to please God with things that are not God's ideas. Well, as a Pharisee, Paul tried to hold fast to the Bible, but he ended up just following man-made principles. So the Bible says, well, we must not work like for the, the Sabbath day commandment, but yet the Pharisees would, would take it farther by saying things like you can't pick up your mat on the Sabbath, you can't heal on the Sabbath. And then what happens is that people trust in mechanical performance and man-made rituals to make themselves right with God. Well, they said they were doing it out of love for God, but really they're doing it for love for themselves because it was about themselves making themselves right with God by their own power. And so this is what religion boils down to. Religion is an attempt to make oneself right with God by your own power. Religion is trying to bribe God by your own made-up system. We essentially say we will live this life or do this practice, but God, you better save me. You better make my life better as a result of me doing this. And so religion then is so wicked because our works can't save us and the best of our religion is still tainted by sin and condemnable to hell. We need Jesus to save us. We have to count our religion a loss compared to gain in Christ. There was a woman who was known for her saintliness. She was known for her religion. She went to church every Sunday throughout the week and throughout the week when they had their, their gatherings. And in her church, she did every activity there was. Oh, she was very religious. And the church decided to do communion one morning during the week. And she was faithfully there and just took pride in all the things that, that she did. And on one occasion, the church did communion and a special service early on that Sunday. And she was the only one who, who showed up. So she prided herself in her Religion And the pastor was impressed with her level of devotion. Well, behind her happy church life was a lot of pain. Her husband was, was quite sinful, and he was violent with her. He was often drunk, gambling their money away. And then one night, one of the husband's gambling buddies made a bet with him. I don't know what the sum was, but a good chunk of it was, was, a, was a lot of money, I take it. And the bet was that the husband would listen to a sermon by, by some pastor. And the bet was made because it was never believed that that husband would ever actually listen to a sermon. Well, the husband did listen to the sermon. He, he wanted the money. But as he listened to the sermon, he was convicted. The Spirit got a hold of him. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he became a new man because the Spirit caused him to be regenerated. And then suddenly he had this desire to, to live a new life and he got rid of the alcohol, he stopped gambling, and he began to love his wife. And the wife was astounded at the change. And seeing her husband changed, she saw for the first time what it really meant to be a Christian. And she realized she had it all wrong. She realized to be a Christian was to be born again and have this new life in Christ. 
She saw the love that her husband had for Jesus. And then she realized her Christianity was not really Christian at all. She realized she was stuck in religion, trusting herself. Religion used to be her gain. She had never tasted the new life. Well, some time went by, and she too gave her life for Christ, and she counted her religion a loss compared to gain in Christ. So Paul looks back on his life. He sees how he once trusted in his race, his own ability, his zeal, his religion, and he counts all of that rubbish. All of his gain is now in Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. Can you say today, all of my gain is in Jesus Christ? Well, let's do some application now. There are those of us today who might be sitting on the fence when it comes to Jesus. You're interested, but you're not quite ready to put your faith in Jesus yet. Well, let me ask you this. What is holding you back? What's holding you back? Could it be that you are relying too much on the things that Paul was relying on? It's your trust in yourself, your race, your religion, your, your works, your zeal. Those, your trust in those things are keeping you back from becoming a Christian. Well, can't you see that those things are nothing but dead ends? So count them as loss. Run to Jesus today saying that they're all a loss compared to you, my Savior. Repent of what you have been living for and believe in Jesus and be saved today. He won't refuse you. Come to him poor and baseless as you are. Come to him weak and wounded, sick and sore, and he will save you. Some of us are lifelong churchgoers, but maybe some of us have been lying to ourselves, convincing ourselves that that we're saved just because we followed the rules. It's just been a cultural Christianity thing for us, not really in our hearts. I hope you realize that maybe what's held you back too with the same things that are holding back unbelievers, trust in your race, your, your zeal, your, your works, your, your religion. And wouldn't it be great if, this, if you, a so-called lifelong Christian, actually became a Christian today? By finally putting your faith in Jesus and finding in him all of your gain? Well, other, others of us are really Christian, but, but it just feels like the life has gone from us. It's just kind of, it's just become dead. We're just kind of going through a spiritual rut. Well, the Bible does teach that the old nature still clings, so it's not going to be easy. But if you are in this dreadful position, in that spiritual rut then consider this possibility. Maybe you are holding on to the things that Paul was. And then I encourage you again today to see Jesus as having incomparable worth. So count everything, your race, your abilities, your zeal, your religion, a pile of dung. Aren't you tired of resting in your own abilities? Aren't you tired of trying to be sincere all the time in this high made-up level of your own devices? 
Aren't you tired of all the rituals you've made for yourself? Can't you see how that brings you misery? Can't you see how it leads you to judge your neighbor, to gossip about others, and to lead you to compare yourself to others constantly? Well, here's my spirituality, here's theirs. Well, how am I doing? I mean, it's going to be endless. It's going to crush you. It's going to make you hate God. How tiring that must be. Well, freedom is available when you count those former things as a loss. We must be aware of how Satan tries to ensnare us with race, our own ability, zeal, and religion. We have to fight against that by counting those things as rubbish. This is a daily practice. So here are some examples, because all this stuff keeps trying to creep in, and Satan uses it. So, so a couple of, of examples. I like listening to, to music, and I've got a favorite band called Sovereign Grace Music. Maybe some of you have heard of it. I just listen to them and all the time, and it fills me up. But I can remember one time I was listening to them and I was getting into the music and the lyrics and then I, I looked at myself, I'm like, wow, look at how spiritual I am. You know, I, I'm singing away here, I'm into it, I, I'm so good before God right now. You see, that's rubbish. I mean, enjoy that worship, we're supposed to. But that's not my gain. My gain is in Jesus. Or Here's just one more example a lot of people say things like this, real Christians do this, or real Christians don't do that. So you look at someone maybe dressed a certain way. You know, real Christians don't dress that way. Well, what have we just done there? Real Christians dress this way? So to be a Christian, you have to do this. We've just invented religion and made gain in, in rituals and rules rather than finding our gain in Jesus Christ. We've got to count those things as rubbish. And of course, we should live holy lives out of gratitude for Jesus because we already have our gain in him. So I know some people are scared to count some of these things as rubbish because they fear losing control. They, they, they fear that their faith practices will dwindle. But actually, the opposite occurs. When you count those things as rubbish, then you see Jesus for who he is, full of grace and mercy. And then he becomes everything to you. And then you're set free for a life of joy and passionate living for Christ. And so I hope that we can all walk away from this sermon rejoicing in Jesus our Savior. I hope we can savor him, count him as our gain. All other things are loss and rubbish in comparison what matters most in life is knowing Christ Jesus our Lord, being found in him, knowing resurrection power, looking forward to the resurrection of the dead. Being a Christian is the best life we could possibly have, even though trials come our way. Because if we have Christ, we truly have everything. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you can change our hearts because even real Christians struggle with the things that Paul did and we need renewal in our hearts. Help us to count those things as rubbish, to see Jesus anew as our all-surpassing gain. And if someone is wrestling with being a Christian this morning, change their hearts, may they become born again. We pray this in the name of Christ, amen.